0: to go with this and i'm not i'm not gonna lay them out not today this one's about perception except that it's the correct perception good morning to you good wednesday morning i'm dan kovacevic of dk pittsburgh sports and this is daily shot of pirates it comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins the same place that you found this. Padres 5, Pirates 1 last night in San Diego. The Pirates had one run on three total hits, seven walks, and eight strikeouts. Again, no numbers. Those aren't numbers, by the way. Those are a box score. It's different. I'm talking about statistics. I'm not going to tell you what the Pirates' batting average or OPS is with runners on base, runners in scoring position, none of that stuff. I want you to just use your own visualization of the games that you've experienced this year, whether it's in person, TV, radio, whatever. Even if you didn't stay up and watch the game last night, believe me, you'd be forgiven for it. Because it couldn't have been more obvious from the outset against Blake Snell, that all this team wanted to do was to work up his pitch count and get him out of the game. That's it. That's it. That was the goal. That is the goal every time this team faces a starter of Snell's caliber, or even reputation. I don't have to guess at this. I've talked to the players about it. Derek Schultz has acknowledged it publicly. This is what they want to do. Well, one problem with that. When the other guy is good, and even when you do get him to walk a bunch of people, you aren't going to score runs i don't know why this is complicated i don't know why this keeps needing to be said but when you get a lead off single lead off walk whatever it is and the next guy comes up thinking to themselves man i've got to run up this this guy's pitch count All that's going to happen is you're going to have someone else occupy first base and delude yourself continuously, insanely delude yourself into thinking that this lineup's got other guys who are capable of the big hit that you need. You don't. You don't. What you need is to have your players operating with the mindset that they need to be ready to hit and in order to be ready to hit you have to be ready to swing. The Pirates had bases loaded with one out. I don't even remember one inning and it doesn't matter but it was when the game was still in hand. Padres were up two to one and the top of the order was due up and it was Connor Joe and you know exactly what you're gonna get from Joe because he's guiltier of this than anyone on the active roster. He's going to watch pitches go by. He doesn't even need to have the pregame admonition to run the guy's pitch count up. All he ever wants to do is walk. And sure enough, there goes strike one. There goes strike two. Snell painted them both. And the next pitch is some junk that landed a foot in front of the plate and a foot outside. And Joe, of course, hacks over it because now he's in a position where even he has to swing. Reynolds comes up. Brian Reynolds comes up after that. One of the very few guys that you should be able to count on for the big hit. Not that you've been able to this year. He watches a couple go by. He swings and misses. End of the inning. End of the discussion, one would think. Going back to when Rick Eckstein was fired as the Pirates hitting coach. The one and only coach, by the way, that's just been flat out dumped in the Ben Charrington tenure. There's been other changes, but it's, believe me, Eckstein was dumped. He was dumped in midseason, and he was dumped because of what Charrington described as different philosophies. And sometimes people use that line in a firing in general, and you just kind of roll your eyes at it. That's actually what it was. Eckstein's approach as a hitting coach, and I'm not suggesting he was the greatest either, okay, but he made some guys better. Andy Haynes has made no one better. And the reason for that is he's taking the bats essentially out of their hands. He wants them to walk. He wants them to run up pitch counts. Oh, he can say, and Shelton can say, we want our guys to be ready to hit. We want our guys to be aggressive. But they actually don't. And it's, it's, it's maddening to watch. I don't know that there's another comparable for it in any other sport where you can just watch your team. It'd be like a basketball team just lining up in, in the, on the offensive side of the court and just passing the ball around until the shot clock went off. That's what these guys do. How many were left on base? Nine more were left on base. Uh, one for seven. Runners in scoring position, the only hit with a runner in scoring position was also the only extra base hit. That was an RBI double by Henry Davis, who I did promise you at the time of his promotion was going to be immune to any hitting coach. And that's it. You you saw or you didn't see, if you were lucky, the rest of it. That's what this team is. That's what this offense is. That's what this hitting coach is. And you know What? By extension of the decision that Charrington made to fire Eckstein again in midseason, and to eventually replace him with this guy, Shelton and Charrington are just as much to blame. Shelton's a former hitting coach. It's not like he's not on board with this. When we come back, J1Q... j one q comes from Michael, who asks, Hey DK, the Pirates have annually spent to their max in the draft, but it looks like this year they fell short by about 300000 let alone the potential 5% overage that they could have utilized. What went wrong here? Mike, first of all, I want to thank you for bringing up a subject that has absolutely nothing to do with this offense or this hitting coach. I'm one of those people who, yeah, I'll get hung up on a thing, but I'd like to think that I get hung up on a thing because I see it as being a fatal flaw, meaning that all the other stuff that we're talking about or all the other stuff that we'll fuss over is a waste of time until they change this fatal flaw. Like, you can draft yourself a Henry Davis, you can draft yourself a Tamar Johnson, who hit, by the way, his 13th home run yesterday, looks like he'll really be something. Well, he won't. He won't. Not when he makes it up through a system that encourages him to not swing the bat. And I'm not being a dummy here. I'll get to I swear to God, I'll get to your question, Okay. I understand the value of walks, okay? I am a money ball disciple, advanced stats, the whole deal, all right? But I understand also from people inside the game that you have to be ready to hit. Did you see those Joe and Reynolds at bats last night? Can you tell me with a straight face... Can they tell me with a straight face that they were ready to hit for any of those pitches that they saw until the very last one? No, no. And it's killing this team. What was your question again? Oh, the draft. Yeah, they're under by 300 grand or it's not exactly that amount, but it's something like that. And it's not a great look because there is a 5% overage that you're also afforded. The pirates have been, for anybody who doesn't know, really, really good about this sort of thing. And they have a structure that's in place based on what the players, what the players' parents, what the players' quote unquote family representative, AKA agents, are telling them. And it has worked out in the past just like clockwork. The Brewers this year pulled their class off so perfectly that they ended up being 29 bucks under now here's why it doesn't happen it's not to save the money because there's again no precedent for it it happens and i'm sure charrington's going to end up clearing this up exactly like this so hear this one out this is someone who pretty often and robustly will criticize this GM and this team spending. But in this case, it's almost certain that there's a pick that they not only wanted to sign, but also had told them that they'd planned to sign and then didn't sign for whatever reason. And when you have all the other agreements in place, and this one just kind of pulls a plug on you, uh, and it's late in the process, there's not really anything you can do. One of their picks, I can't remember which round or which name, had a bonus that was only $10,500. I'm not kidding. And if nothing else, they would have <laughs> given, not as a donation or whatever, but uh, offered some of that money to that young man just to avoid the embarrassment of a bonus that's that small and to ensure that they'd get him because they obviously wanted him. So I wouldn't read too much in this one. I know people will get super excitable when it comes to anything at all regarding money, but it's been a long, long time since the pirates have been accused of anything uh, money wise as related to the draft. And oh, by the way, Paul Skeens' bonus was for nine million dollars. It was a record. And Dylan Cruz, who the Pirates allegedly were going to be avoiding because he's represented by Scott Boris and ooh boogeyman, and they wouldn't want to pay Cruz because he was demanding more than ten and a half million dollars. Cruz got eight point nine, and absolutely nobody's bringing that up after the fact. I'll bet you didn't even know. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. I do not appreciate this team's hitting approach. We will be back with another episode tomorrow.